I always, I always like to wait for that drop a little bit. But yo, welcome back, everybody, <laughs> to the newest episode of The Pixelist. I'm Will. That's Blake. We're here to talk about all of our nerdy dreams. But uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Vox Machina, episodes 7, 8, and 9. They just dropped. Anytime we can do a D&D inspired episode, I'm for it. Yeah. You know, especially bonus points if it's a critical role. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm... So full disclosure, Blake and I actually just did this intro and I <laughs> messed up some of the settings. So we're redoing it. So I'm trying not to be like completely fake and just say the same exact yeah. things. <laughs> Let me go back to the script. Uh, yeah, I love Critical Role. <laughs> you telling me. <laughs> no, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I do want to mention this, though, that, uh, you know, this Thursday was especially nice because it was the first one that I got to go Legend of Vox Machina straight in to episode uh 13 of campaign three because uh if you didn't know this the uh, legend of vox machina episodes actually drop thursday night for us americans so uh who knew i've been watching all of them on friday up until this week uh but anyway i digress uh it was a night full of critical role which was great yeah it's it is a nice surprise because like i and i've mentioned this in past episodes that um if a critical role episode is going to be long i can't always stay up and watch it because i watch my kid on friday mornings yeah and um Seeing that it was four hours, I was like, yeah, I'll watch a little bit of it, I think. But also, I feel like this Critical Role episode's a special one because it's yeah. it's the ball, right? The and ball, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. But I was like, I feel like I need to watch it in one sitting to like really give respect to it. So I was killing some time, went over to Amazon Prime, and I was like, hold up. Here's the three episodes of Legend of Vox Machina. Yeah. So check that out instead. Yeah, and I mean, I guess to just... Well, actually, no, I guess I wanted I want to hit I was going to jump straight into it, but a couple of quick announcements, I guess, before we get going. Um, first of all, is that uh, this is Friday when we're recording this. Uh, right. So like Blake just said, he hasn't watched the campaign three episode yet. I haven't finished it and I'm going out of town. So our episode on that will probably be maybe Sunday, probably Monday or something, though, I'd imagine. And then yeah, I'll um, probably watch it this weekend. So, yeah, that sounds about right. And then uh, anyone that's been checking out the Easter egg breakdowns of The Legend of Vox Machina, uh, those won't be till probably Monday as well. Because, like I said, that, I'm going out of town. That I'm bummed about. Because I, I, and I like I, I know I like to goose on you about this, um, <laughs> which phrasing sounds a bit odd there. <laughs> but I really do like these Easter egg videos, especially having not seen the campaign. It's just really nice context for me. Um, and I know I've bragged about it a lot. And then you texted me and you were like, Hey, so which parts do you really like? And I was like, uh, I can't think of any, <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, I really like you. I, I like that movie I, you're in. Which one? Goes. Uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I really like these drag videos and I was I actually had a lot of questions watching this last three, seven, eight, and nine for legend of Vox Machina. And so I was yeah. looking forward to the Easter egg to kind of get some of that insight. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure as you're watching, you're already like picking up on things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for example, the Raven Skull in Professor Anders. Um, Raven Skull number two. Yeah. Some people are going to be there? mad at me if I try to connect that to Pate Rolo again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll anyway, see, we'll see. But yeah, I'll be looking forward to that whenever you get it up. And um, and uh, yeah, I feel like we shouldn't mention Witcher because <laughs> we keep saying it. <laughs> It's... I was like, don't mention Witcher, don't mention Witcher. All right, guys, we're going to get the Witcher 2 video up <laughs> next week. It's happening. <laughs> did you see uh, Ness's comment? I don't yes, know. Yes, <laughs> I did see it. Let's, let's, <laughs> let was, me go back to this, yeah. It was like, basically, uh, it was really funny. pixel yeah. lore, this Witcher video. <laughs> yeah, I read it and laughed. Um, I need to get back to commenting on some of these videos. I just keep forgetting. But yeah, at this point, the fabled Witcher video is deep pixel lore. <laughs> I, uh, and by the way, Ness also had a really great theory. We won't talk about it in this video, but um, Fern and the Nightmare King. Uh, we'll have mm -hmm. to mention this in our next Critical Role video. But yeah. I um, read that and I really liked that theory too. Um, anyway, I'm getting uh, all over the place now. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, episode 7, 8, and 9 of Legend of Vox Machina dropped last night. Um, just I'm going to give a really, really, really quick rundown of what those three episodes entailed and then i want to ask you your thoughts on them but so we had scanbo is episode seven and I'm, this is one i've been waiting for for a long time but amazing you know scanlon kind of has his own adventure really is the whole episode following that we have the big episode of basically vox machina but percy versus uh professor anders 
And then finally, in the third episode, we have basically this undead horde attacking Whitestone and, you know, Pike's return and a pretty cool battle. Um, so three great episodes. I I really enjoyed them. Like I said, the Scanbo moment is one of the moments from campaign one that like I was waiting to see animated when they announced this. So I really had a good time with that one. And then Pike's arrival, Pike's return was also like a big moment that I was kind of excited to see. So I really love these episodes. I mean, of course, not to mention No Mercy Percy on uh, Professor Anders was incredible. Yeah, that was um, an amazing scene. But, you know, not that this is a surprise to anyone, but I really liked the three episodes. Uh, <laughs> what, what did you think? Um, I liked them. And naturally, the, another reason I was mentioning I like your Easter egg videos is how, you know, lately you've been pulling in the original stream content of like, mm. here's how it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so naturally, now I'm finding myself like the the money shot on Professor Anders that, Ooh. you know, unhinges his jaw. Brutal. Um, did that happen in the stream? So, so like I said, I haven't had a chance to do those okay. breakdowns yet. So I, I don't remember if it happened exactly that same okay. way. Well, um, anyway, all that to say, I'm just like, oh man. So like, I just can't help but now be like, I wonder how how it happened in the stream. Yeah. How it was different. Um, going back to your original question, yeah, I really liked the three episodes. Um, I actually really disliked Pike's return. Uh, and to we don't necessarily get into it now, but um verbatim what i think i had said in a previous video was if she leaves and then comes back like on yeah. the brink of they're on the brink of defeat i'm gonna be really annoyed <laughs> only because i really dislike that trope that trope and, yeah. but 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 here's the thing and maybe i'll just go ahead and just say my spiel real quick yeah, so yeah. we don't have to leave Let's it, just dive into it. it yeah. uh, the thing is and this is like the silver lining in all of it or like the the saving grace in this conversation is you know, as a dungeon master, it's it's reminding ourselves that, or for myself, reminding myself this is a homebrew D&D game. And as a DM, you're taking inspiration from all sorts of really cool moments you've seen in movies and other kinds of media. And so assuming this played out in the stream similarly, um, mm -hmm. her arriving in the way she did, you know, it doesn't necessarily bother me if that's how it happened in the stream, I guess. In terms of like right. written television show, I'm annoyed because I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate, I just hate it when <laughs> the group gets into a corner yeah. where it seems like there's no way out and then someone swoops in inexplicably, inexplicably, am I saying that right? I don't inexplicably, know. Inexplicably, I think. Inexplicably, <laughs> with an insane power jump, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, she just like nuked these zombies, including yeah. the giant, and it, it just doesn't make sense. And so then I'm like, so now there's this weird, I mean, she's obviously not going to maintain this kind of like massive power advantage, she's, but she's probably going to wean down a little bit. So like that kind of stuff, it, it's it's a lot like um, season seven Game of Thrones when they're in like the frozen lake and then uh Daenerys swoops in I'm just like yeah yeah come on man like I just really dislike that in movies and media again that's fair you know this was years ago you know it's how it happened it's inspiration of cool moments like that but um applied to 2022 I'm just like oh man I really don't like that yeah yeah um that's my only like negative on the whole thing um but I liked everything else. Yeah, so. it's called like a. There's a name for that type of trope. Like I don't know if Deus Ex Machina is the right name, but there's like some name for like the. I can't remember. So this I don't know why I'm saying this, but it, yeah, it's, sure. It's basically that trope. Uh, but I mean that's a fair criticism, and uh, you know that that's pretty much it. Like that's fair. Uh, but the one maybe redeeming factor is that that is how it happened in the campaign. So like you know it's not like they just like wrote that in to kind of have that moment. Sure. Um, but yeah, so like she, I'm trying to, so not that you even had this as part of your criticism, uh, but for anyone that did is like, how did she just appear there? Which they mentioned this in the show. It's not actually her. It's an astral right. projection of her, um, which is she's being empowered by her God, which is why she has this like massive power surge. And, uh, but similar to uh world of Warcraft and paladins, you know, they just do amazing damage to undead clerics yeah, have right. like a similar ability set sure. in uh dnd but the reason all of this happened um and we've talked about this a little bit i think is that back during campaign one ashley johnson was quite frequently absent 
Um, and so during that's why they kind of wrote her out of the show in the way that they did when she split from the party in episode three or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, they're coming to the climax of this arc, you know, in Whitestone, going to confront the Briarwoods. You know, Ashley wanted to be there. So I, I don't remember if she like flew back and like was there in person. Sometimes she just Skyped in when she was able mm-hmm. to. And so the the way that Matt kind of could make that make sense is he had to have her astrally projected in by her God. So that's kind of like the, the nuts and bolts behind why this whole kind of saga is happening. Um, it doesn't take away from the fact that that is, you know, exactly that trope of, Oh, we're all going to die, but Oh wait, our savior's here, you know? Yeah. Um, It's, it's, it's like with the context of it, it's like totally fine. If you're watching the show absent of the context, let's say, let's say you're just, you discovered the show on Amazon prime. Right. Um, I would assume it'd be, uh, aggravating for a handful of people. The other thing that's aggravating is not the right word, but the other thing that's a little clunky is, and you gave great context here that the whole reason that she has like this distance with her God is that she like brutally murdered a goblin or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, her dialogue where she talks with her God on like, we basically, we cheated, we stole whatever, um, was just really hard to resonate with as like, something tactile for why she's now lost her affinity or her, her access to her God. I think Mm. if we had like seen a scene in like maybe the first episode where she like has like even a brief moment of like, maybe they're in a bar and they're going to steal from someone and she, you can, they they write her as like, you can see it on her face. She's hesitating. Then she goes with it. That I think would have been more tangible. But for me, like listening to her talk to her God, I was like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really see the context here. I, at least I can't really latch onto it. Um, so, and it's, it's, I hate to say that because Ashley Johnson is like one of my total favorites. And I also really like Pike too. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, I think I've said two things now. I don't make it seem like I didn't like the three episodes. I <laughs> no, really no, liked fine. them all. It's just, you know, um, watching them, those were like the two pain points that I was like, man, I didn't really, I wish that had been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And yeah, we finally got the answer, like from somebody who's seen campaign one, like you just talked about, it was different why she was kind of had the stressed relationship with her God. So I've been waiting to see kind of what the explanation was going to be in the show. And I was slightly confused at first, but what I, and let me know if you agree with this assessment, what I eventually took from it was, it was that it was not necessarily that she's been running around with Vox Machina doing these you know, less than holy things. It was more so that she just herself like was unable to choose a direction. So like, it wasn't necessarily that they're like stealing from people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. She's like, you know, kind of, she's just lost. Even that felt weak to me of like the, you know, you're not, you're not being who you are. Like, yeah, that whole, that whole thing. I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I'm really resonating with this. Um, yeah, they probably did the best they could with the lack of content that was there, mm-hmm. her being gone. Um, but it definitely felt pretty clunky for me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. I, I mean, not, not to expouse too much on this moment, but I think I maybe would have even just gone with like, she was cursed. Like that necromantic energy was the reason, you know? Yeah. I feel like that just was kind of cleaner and maybe would have made more sense to somebody who doesn't have all the context of, you know what was it, going on in campaign I think one. it would have been cleaner especially with um the scene right before she she meets her god um we're like the the she gets like attacked yeah i was like oh dang. so she is like there is something here yeah but i guess that was like maybe representative of internal yeah, I, don't, conflict. I don't know i, I don't know I, what I don't, that was yeah, i'm not really sure if that was like symbolic of her inner struggle yeah i guess i think i think her being cursed by delilah and then internally she has to sort of fight that um and it's not like a straight curse that can be cleansed it's like she has to come to terms with who she is and like what she stands for like something like that would have made a lot more sense to me and it it would have made me less reliant on you to be like okay so like what happened in in campaign one um because yeah it was very confusing and i was like what about that like that demon in her dreams like is she (laughs) Are you good or <laughs> yeah <laughs> we kind of forgot about that so <laughs> but anyway it's small but but yeah no but yeah but fair yeah it's 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 a small pain point on an otherwise great show um the rest of the three episodes were awesome 
um, Scanbo. <laughs> Great episode. Yes. I was a little confused on, is the Duke's house like next door to Professor Andrew's house? Like I was confused as to how he ended up really are they in the same house like what's what was going on there no so the whole point of the plan was that so they're at anders house right and that's where they're trying to get in because the kestrel cassandra is is there uh but there's so many guards so they're like what are we going to do and scanlon's like i'll create a distraction so the, the the whole nuts and the bolts of it is just to create such a commotion that like the guards at Anders' house Professor Anders leave, leave to go yeah, see yeah. what's going on at Vedmire's. Okay. Um, yeah. So does that answer your question? But that that was yeah, totally. That was yeah. What was I love to climb into the window and just <laughs> yeah, just dropping a deuce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like I said, that the whole was, battle was awesome too. By yeah. The way. So that that's uh, and not just me. I think a lot of people that watch Campaign One. This is one thing we were super looking forward to. And uh, since I know you watched the Easter egg breakdowns. There's a Triceratops skull in Gilmore's shop. So I was talking about how, like, I wonder if this is a reference to that. And, I mean, I think it was. and Because we definitely got the moment. And uh, they did pretty good in terms of, like, keeping the spirit of what happened in the campaign. I mean, it's very similar. There are some changes, though. Um, just to, like, the mechanics of what's happening. Um, he doesn't so take he goes... quite as many potions in the actual campaign. Okay. He just is using his, like, innate abilities. Uh, but he does, does take he go... the fire-breathing potion. Okay, that was an awesome scene. And then does yeah. he go toe-to-toe with the Duke? Yeah, like he's by himself. So like that was all like how it happened in the campaign. He split off and just kind of had this adventure. Um, but yeah, yeah, and on the rooftop and everything. It's uh, the, the the encounter on the rooftop doesn't play out exactly the same, but essentially. Um, yeah, okay. So that was great. Yeah, their little rivalry was really good over the course of the three episodes. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I, I knew he didn't die, but I was legit worried for him. <laughs> you know, especially Scanlan, when the, yeah. yeah, when the zombie horde came in, I was, oh, yeah. uh, and the Duke was, they had basically, we're about to have round two. Right. Um, you know, and I just love Scanlon's character too. <laughs> yeah. You can tell Sam Regal had a lot of fun with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I love all the songs, like the little songs and stuff we're getting. Yeah. And uh especially when he gets his arm healed and he plays the little song on the lute. Yeah. There's such great yeah, little great moments like that. And then this is jumping ahead, but uh the song at the end of uh, the last episode, whatever that was, 9 I guess. Yeah. Uh where he's just singing over the credits. I thought it was amazing. I was like I've just been listening to that kind of on repeat a little bit. Yeah, I've been checking out the credits, like outro music, just to catch any like nice nuggets or just new songs. Um, you know, it's also the attention to sound and music has, I think, always been something that um, the Critical Role team has really cared about. It's cool to see that in Legend of Vox Machina, but it's yeah. kind of like whenever you boot up, you know, the Critical Role stream and it's that 15 minute wind down to oh, launch. Yeah, yeah. And the theme music's playing. I mean, it's so good. I mean, it hits all the right notes. So, yeah, a lot of these outros have been really good, too. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Neil Acree. He's the, the I don't, producer is not the right word, but the, the sound person designer who or? scored the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sound designer, Com- maybe. Composer, I, maybe? Yeah. Composer. I think that's the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> Words. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not a sound designer. <laughs> you issue in a book graduated from juilliard i'm a (laughs) he's a uh, sound tech i think (laughs) so (laughs) yeah um so yeah the scanbo fight was amazing um i loved loved the scene with keyleth oh by the way i love keyleth keyleth yeah uh, didn't really uh, i don't know if resonates the right word but She's so much, I feel like, more detailed in the show than maybe as I was watching campaign one. Only saw briefly a brief amount of it, so I'm sure there's even more there. But love Keyleth. Awesome character. Really well written. And um, I just love these moments with her just like kind of going back and forth between unsurety and then being like, like the scene where she's like, I got this, guys. And then yeah. she um, isn't even really sure of her own power. You know, she like does like the little frost thing and she's like, Oh it's yeah. Not working. And then she goes kind of super Saiyan and then like totally blasts. Um, but oh, the scene I was going to mention though, is when she decides to heal, um, uh, what's the sister's name? Uh, Cassandra, Cassandra. And, um, she's like, did it work? And then Cassandra just, you know, <laughs> turns head to the side. Like, and I was like, Oh dang. 
and then she pops up and yeah. she screams. And both, like, that scream. was a really, yeah, it was a great scene. Really that good. was, and uh, so. that what's, I mean, I'll get to this in the, the Easter egg video when we get to it, but, uh, I kept waiting for like maybe the other shoe to drop during that sequence because in the campaign, when he slits her throat, it's an illusion. He didn't actually do it. So, uh, oh. I was waiting to see like, you know, if, if there was something kind of maybe that would tie into that, but no, it seems like he just actually did and they healed her. Yeah. She had the slowest death of <laughs> was having your throat cut, you know, I guess Hollywood's, you know, throat gets slit and dead, but definitely yeah. in the show. I mean, she was, she was squirming for a while. How terrifying. I mean, yes. Yeah. But the Professor Anders fight was awesome too, by the way. I yeah. really like that. That's it was. So. I, I remember I remember him charming Grog, but I that's like the only big detail I remember from that fight. So I don't I don't remember if he like charmed everyone like that or if that's just kind of a change they made. But yeah, I thought yeah. that fight was awesome too, especially well, the yeah. end. Well, I love the detail of the silver tongue, which yeah, yeah. you know, he's he's talking um I had the thought to myself of like, oh, he has kind of a silver tongue. Um, like I see what they're doing there because it's like actually silver mm. and he's charming them. And then I went back and looked. I think the episode title was Silver Tongue or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Um, but all that to say, that paired with the opener, I'm really enjoying these opening flashbacks, I guess, yeah, or yeah. like added context. Um, those are really good, especially how it's, you know, it's giving us some more context for these villains. You know, we had Professor Anders in that episode. In episode nine, we had the um, sort of how Delilah and Silas came to be, uh, right, which is really right, good right. too. Yeah, and uh, which awesome moment—the the face, you know, Ooh. coming out of the ceiling, the whispered one. <laughs> yeah, really cool. Um, anyway, I don't jump. All, I don't want to jump all over the place, but all that to say, um, yeah, Professor Anders was very cocky, and he didn't work out too well for him. Yeah, and the whole silver tongue is also the fact that uh, he was a bard. Like that was his class in the in the campaign. So like you know, bards oh, right. are silver tongued. Um, yeah, but I think I'm also wondering that you know how we were wondering um, what Stonefell was because like he didn't really look human. I think that you know with this tongue thing that we're getting and what Delilah crafts that there is definitely some like experimentation going on. So I think Stoneville probably was like altered in some way. And yeah, I'm assuming his tongue was as well. That's the impression I got. And he does P professor Anders does have the line of, um, the Broadwoods have given me many gifts yeah, or something yeah. like that. And that's when the tongue sort of lights up. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really great way to, um interpret that yeah is that captain stonefell sort of became um whatever he looked like after you know the gifts from the yeah. Woods. <laughs> so. and uh actually that you mentioned the uh the intro scene to the the anders episode uh something you and i had talked about i don't remember if it was in what video we were talking about this in but beside the point um, where you were asking about like the time difference between campaign one versus what we're getting in Lock Vox Machina. I was just going to ask, does it make a little more sense now that we got like that age Percy studying? Cause that he looks basically the same age it's just hair is a little whiter now. Well, like, the detail that, and I think we mentioned this in our last critical role episode where you, you said his hair is white from trauma. It's not right, white right. from age. Like that's the context I was missing was, mm. um, because watching it again, even in this in this um, this batch of episodes, when he's escaping, he has white hair, and so the trauma explanation makes a lot of sense. And Percy even says it's been five years, which our conversation yeah. in the Critical Role episode was because um, the Briarwoods get mentioned in the most recent Campaign Three episode. That's right. Was oh, so I guess it was only five years, but in the show, it was a lot longer, and it turns out it was five years in both. So um, yeah. All those draw uh, callbacks, I guess, and um, I mean, yeah, it's it's everything definitely makes sense now for sure. Yeah, and I think knowing what we know now, that first like nightmare sequence that Percy had in episode three, I think, where we see the Briarwoods attack, I think that is like it was a nightmare, so it wasn't actually like how it happened because in that nightmare, he's like a kid sitting in his mom's lap when they die, but in this episode, yeah. we see that he's like 
18 or like a, a, a young man and his parents are still alive and you know he's studying so i think that was just like right. an artistic creative like depiction of it which definitely led to some confusion i'm sure for people who were like oh so that happened when he was a kid so it's been a really yeah. long time we didn't really get a meeting or like a reveal of this shadowy figure that struck a bargain with him like he mentions you know he's sleeping sort of in this alleyway and then he has a dream of of um is it is it the list the the powder box gun or is it the amazing like sniper rifle gun so he in i mean i don't know how they're gonna play it necessarily but he has he has a dream that inspires him to like invent guns basically yeah okay um so i mean i think at that point it was the the pepper box at first at pepper least box that's right powder box what an idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay cool yeah it's it's interesting yeah i was expecting to see some kind of you know your stereotypical shadowy figure you know do you want revenge yeah <laughs> and then like yeah gives him the design or something in a typical rpg st fashion yeah but, uh, I, I seems mean, like after it'll it seems like it'll be some context for maybe even season two or three if they continue with campaign one that long it will uh, yeah i was gonna say it's interesting like it seems like we they had a good opportunity to have that moment and they didn't take it so i'm yeah i'm interested to see if we still kind of get an introduction in that way or maybe that's something they don't ever really fully like show us um but yeah i want to i want to see more uh orthax which you know don't google it if you don't want to know but that's that's the shadow thing's name orthax mm -hmm. okay cool you hear me just typing away <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay cool um, um in the show did they all get charmed or just grog I, I don't remember. I know Grog did for sure, but I couldn't remember yeah. if everyone else did. I don't I don't remember them being charmed, but I mean it's totally possible that, you know, because it was five years ago that I just Do don't they remember. capture his silver tongue? I don't remember that either, because I don't again, it's been five years or whatever, but I don't recall him having like a monstrous literal tongue. So I think yeah, that okay. was just like a show's artistic liberty type of thing. But well, and I, it's, it's a great, and maybe this is a reach, but it's a great, um, for me, it's, it's great flavor for a typical D and D session, which yeah. is you kill this phenomenal, crazy monster. And there's always someone in the group who's like, you know, I take one of its tooth or like it's <laughs> I take a claw. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of them kind of scrounging around to get the tongue for me that that was just very D and D. Yeah. So that's a good I, point. I assume that's intentional, but maybe not. Um, but I just, I like the flavor of that. Oh yeah. Me too. I didn't think about it in that context, but yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, um, um, what, what else, what else you want to talk about from these three episodes? Um, I'm, I'm interested. I have an idea. Like one of the things we've been talking about is me not knowing exactly how they're going to parse out the remaining episodes with what I assume to be what I expect to happen. That was a weird sentence. Um, but with three left and I don't know, I am what I'm wondering that again is the long winded way of me getting to this is because uh, we, we kind of, I mean, not that the undead horde is like dealt with and gone, but like it seems like we had that battle in this episode. So I don't imagine like we're going to get three episodes of them just fighting the undead the whole time. Uh, clearly, we have like a Briarwood encounter happening. Um, and so then I'm wondering if maybe the last episode kind of at least not like the whole episode, but a good portion of it might be building up like what may be next yeah okay without i don't want to say really anything but yeah the show does move really fast and um i mentioned this in the last episode it's it's a critique of mine that it's it's moving so quickly um so i wouldn't be surprised if we could see the briarwood encounter happen as early as next episode i would guess maybe the second of the next three and then that third episode being either kind of soft resolution with like a looming threat of season two or mm -hmm. even just a, a more direct you know here's what's after the briar woods yeah um or maybe all three episodes build up for it i, I mean i'm not sure um, true i mean maybe we don't get the briarwood fight till the end of the final episode for all we know you know yeah it'd be a bit odd pacing 
considering how quickly they've been moving, mm-hmm. um, which could be that they did that because they wanted to have enough space for right for the Briarwoods, who are the primary antagonists of this season. True. Um, but just reviewing things, you know, I guess it was episode maybe four where you sort of had the Briarwood entourage kind of all revealed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Captain Stonefell, uh, Anders, and then the Duke all boom, 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 get taken care of um, in immediate episodes. So, right. Um, like I said, that could be just to create space for more for the Briarwoods, or it could be, like I said, this could be getting resolved next episode of the episode after. And then what happens next, which around what episode in the live stream did the Briarwood arc resolve? Like I'm trying to get a sense of like how much of the campaign remains mm. after the Briarwood arc. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say late thirties. Okay. But I mean, I could be, 10 off in either direction probably but i, I want to say late 30s there was a hundred and there are 115 i think of campaign one yeah. or 117 um, yeah, okay but uh speaking of the whole crew that you just talked about uh we do have one more person that's beside the briarwoods that's on that list and that's actually kind of the cliffhanger moment we got she's the person in the dungeon right mm-hmm yeah, it looked like she was missing her hand. Yeah. Like she yeah, looked pretty she was in bad shape. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh I mean I mean I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that moment. I'm sure you just I mean not to speak for you, but I'm sure you just thought it was kind of cool or whatever. But for me it was interesting because like I know who that character is, but I didn't know that that's who that was at first. So it was really cool to kind of like have the realization of like, oh shit, that's and then that's like the same moment that Percy is like, you know, no mercy Percy, and so yeah. I really, I really like that cliffhanger and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, it seems like the group is kind of getting not tired of no mercy Percy, but like, <laughs> they're like, dude, seriously, like <laughs> what's going so on I, with you? I like the stinger in the sense of like, um, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder if Vax is going to be like, yo, let's, you know, cause they already went, I had a little bit of a toe to toe moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. We don't. We have actually haven't gotten any context for who this person is, other than Percy naming her, which I don't remember her name, by the way. Um, Did he name her in that moment? Or are you talking he about named her when he was talking about the everyone on his list? Okay, uh, and he said Captain Stonefell, mm-hmm. Professor Anders, um, the Briarwoods, and then he says the uh, woman's name too. Anna but, Ripley is her name. Anna Ripley. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. couldn't remember if he, when, I mean, I know we've at least seen the name, but I couldn't remember if he said it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but we haven't seen her in any of the scenes. Right. We haven't seen anything really with her. She was in yeah. that, that throne room scene, but, um, right. you know, we haven't really seen her do anything. Yeah. And we see her also, um, when not just the throne room scene, but also there's a scene, I think when Percy's recounting past events mm-hmm. and all of them, like the entourage is kind of all in a frame together. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she's in that shot too. Yeah. So, and I love, I love the moment you just talked about with Vax and Percy, uh, where he's like, you know, you point that thing at any of us again, I'm going to kill you. And I just, I don't really have much to say here, but I just, I love that. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that he's, I mean, he's not pointing it at any of them right now, but he's, you know, going smoke monster in front of them. So, uh, maybe this actually, we were talking about this earlier, but, um, so maybe this next episode, since that's kind of the cliffhanger we got left on, maybe that's where we'll get kind of more about what's going on with Percy. Cause I mean, I'm sure they're going to ask him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it would have been nice, I think early on in the, in the season to get some kind of context as to what everyone knows about each other. Right. Um, and you and I have mentioned this in our deep dives of campaign three, how no one really priced too much because there's a bit of a enjoyment of like kind of slow dripping, the lore of your character. Um, but there's a moment where I think Vex says, um, Hey, no more secrets. Like you promised no more secrets. And he like kind of reveals the origin story of his gun. Um, but it did make me wonder, okay, like what is, what does everyone know about one another? Um, you know, Grog and Pike have a special relationship. What's the context there? Having seen part of campaign one, um, uh, isn't it that like he's like near death and she like saves him or something or um, um yeah. I don't know, she actually she actually dies 
in her backstory, right? And gets brought back or something or. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Actually. That's... So I don't know if that is necessarily canon to the legend of Vox Machina or sure. not, but yeah, that did happen. That happened pre Twitch stream. Right. Even. Right. But so these things that are part of like the background descriptions, um, I know from having seen those, but, but definitely like if you're a, new show watcher right um you're definitely in the dark as to um and the only they did help this a little bit by the way when percy and um keyleth are in in, in isolation together yeah and she says something like you know oh i guess we don't really like to share much about right. ourselves something like that which i thought i thought that helped that a little bit but but yeah yeah no i mean good point and i think I think that's just how they're treating it is really they don't know that much about each other at all. That's kind of like where we're stepping into their adventure. You know, uh, like what was it? The first episode where Keyless like, I don't even know why we're together. Like, and kind of gives like a one sentence explanation of everyone. <laughs> so I think that that's like those elements of history that, you know, and we're referring to from the campaign. I mean, some of them are, I think are clearly there, like the Pike Grog connection. But for the most part, I guess it, we would just assume that, those things aren't there until they show us until they show us that they're there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely as somebody who's coming in without any context of campaign one, I'm sure they're like, how do these people know each other? Like how long have they been running together and all that type of stuff? Cause we really don't even know in the show's canon how long they've been together. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. But <clears throat> I forgot where I was going with this, but <laughs> uh, well, and it could be intentional also. I mean, this could be stuff, like um I, I like the writing it's not a trope but like the writing use of like flashbacks and like using past yeah. moments to like feed context for current characters and so we could be getting like a grog and pike intro at some point like in season two or um yeah i think we ha know. i think that at least for that one specifically we have to get that at some point because they've clearly shown their relationship and um yeah i want to see it so yeah that'd be cool um yeah yeah oh what was i gonna, i was just about to say something uh oh yeah you it's something you had mentioned in one of our earlier episodes i think but romance but so yes. uh this I was episode, actually about to bring this up yeah go <laughs> we got the uh you know vax vaxlith moment uh yeah which was fun to see it uh it was it was kind of like it was this is like around the time it happened in the campaign as well it didn't happen like in this exact same way um okay. But I, I think, you know, again, they spiritually did it fine, did it justice. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up, I guess, see what you thought, since this is something we had kind of touched on previously. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was, um, it was also very Firefly-esque, which there's a scene where one of the um, uh, female characters in Firefly in the movie, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, Serenity, sorry, Serenity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, where unsure of herself a lot like keyleth and one of the main uh guy characters basically says i love you or something like that and they're like being overrun and she's like well i'm not dying here then <laughs> you know very yeah. similar um so i really enjoyed it great movie by the way people should go check that out um but yeah great scene i really liked it um i, I like their i like their back and forth i like the, the romantic arc between the two of them and um, I just like also Vex being the angry sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about it happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that whole like triangle I've really enjoyed, um, especially because it really feels like Vex and Vax have this um, this tug and pull towards let's just watch out for ourselves, and then let's maybe go against what is our what has become habitual for us, like our nature. And actually look out for others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it feels like Vax is the one who is more open to that, and Vex is more like, "Hey, don't forget like what's kept us alive this long, like just yeah, you and me." Exactly. Um, yeah. So I really like kind of the undertones there as well. Yeah, and speaking of like the past connections of these characters, that's a great example of how the show's done. I think a pretty good job of kind of like building this this vax keyleth chemistry and also kind of building the vax and vex relationship just in like those moments you were just referring to you can kind of like glean a lot so um uh, yeah and uh just a quick aside the 
the reveal, let's call it, of when like they like Vax says he loves her or whatever in the in the campaign. It's just funny because that's like, you know, this was their first campaign. They're still new to it. A lot of them. And uh, you know, romance, RPing romance, especially with someone else's Gotta wife. Awkward. You <laughs> yeah. know? Uh so like the all the rest of the cast was like holding their faces, like not looking and like dying laughing. And so it's just funny that we've like evolved from that to now like yeah. There's like eight relationships in every campaign and it's, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I almost wondered if they were going to like show a character laughing in the background while it happened, but we didn't quite get that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I thought it was well done in the show. I liked it. Um, it was, it was kind of a, it made sense to me. There were so many great, like subtle moments between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where, where the relationship goes. So and, and also what other relationships crop up? Um, yeah. It seems like Pike and Scanlan have a little bit of a thing going. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, uh, and also uh, uh, Vex and Percy seem like there's a little bit of a thing going there too. Yeah. So I'm uh yeah with three episodes left, I'm I'm wondering beyond just relationships, maybe what other backstory we get on people i mean it seems like probably we're going to be focused on percy given everything that's happening but um was percy the the leader of i know you mentioned there's kind of like a running joke of like who's the leader of vox machina but was he kind of like or does everyone kind of like step into that role depending on like maybe the arc i'd say i'd say it's more of the latter because are you referring to i think like the, I mean, the whole, I don't know if it was episode nine or eight, but like the whole point was like, Percy needs to step up and lead here. Yes. Right. Um, so there are definitely like towards the end of the campaign, I would say there are more prominent leaders amongst the group, but for the majority of the campaign, it's definitely what you said. Like people fill that role based on like what's happening. Like kind of everyone gets the spotlight for an arc sort of. And, yeah, you know, okay. during that arc, they're kind kind of leading in a way. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just gonna say, I, I really enjoyed him as like the, it, it was your typical, like, um, I don't want it, you know, leadership <laughs> yeah. role. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. And then stepping into it. Um, I mean, he had to, I mean, that moment with Archie and the Duke. Oh man. Yeah. Bro. I rewound that and watched it over a few times. Cause that was just so, I mean, that, that has to be a shot that the animators are so proud of. Yeah. Because um, the way that, I mean, he slide dodges one and then they just go across mm. each other and then just, mm. I mean, just, yeah, I was just like, an amazing <gasps> shot. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I may be sad because uh, like I said, or I think I've mentioned somewhere that the Archie characters, they made it a lot different than the Archie character from the campaign. So I didn't see that one coming. Um, so that was a, that one hurt. That one hurt. I liked Archie. I wish we had gotten a little bit of a stronger resolution with the Duke, though. Because, um, you know, as this massive foreboding character, and then he just gets, you know, his his kneecap popped off. Um, and then, I mean, I like, I like the style of, you know, the villagers kind of do with him as they please. But it almost felt like we were... It almost felt like it would have made more sense for, like, a toe-to-toe Percy and him or Vox Machina and him, especially after him killing Archie, um, which clearly the two of them have so many memories together. Um, True. That felt a little, not off. I don't know if that's the right word. It just, it, it just went a different direction than I, I thought it was going to go. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Throwing that out there first, but the point, <laughs> the counterpoint is that uh, Vedmar was not on his list. Sure. And so like, those are the people he's really like hunting. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I agree. I mean, especially, you I mean, even though he's not on the list, he just killed Archie, you know? So I, I see what you're saying. And in the campaign, actually, I mean, presumably he's dead, right? Like the villagers were, they show him being hung up. So yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Dead. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the campaign that didn't, it didn't happen that way. He didn't die. So, oh, okay. That, uh, that was an interesting change. I thought. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, cool. Yeah. That, that, he was an awesome character. And again, shout out to uh, the writers and the storyboardists and all that um, for, I've mentioned, I've already said it a couple of times in this episode, the show's going very quickly, but to write in characters that are only getting minutes of screen time and to feel a connection to them or like emotions of um, 
you know, the Duke was very foreboding and yeah. um, very large presence on on camera, I guess. Um, yeah, so sure. that's a shout out to them for a character that was introduced and defeated in only like a two episode span. So, yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I, I can never remember his name. It's Rory something. But the Hound from Game of Thrones did a great job with him. Mm -hmm. um, so shout outs to him. Sorry, I can't remember your last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So I feel like we're winding down here. So I know, I know you had a few criticisms again, completely fair, but where would you rank this chunk of three episodes compared to the first two chunks? Um, man, the first three, I really liked, I really liked, um, I really liked the, uh, the dragon character. I can think of his name, the captain uh, Krieg Krieg. He was great. Um, I, you know, even though I think I've, articulated more criticisms with these three than the other. Um, I'd probably put this batch at the top and then I'd put the prologue in the middle and then I'd put um, the, oh man, those three episodes were great too. They're, they're all really close together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least seven out of 10 for me. Um, but I would probably put the most recent three at the top prologue at the next and then the middle episodes at the bottom. Okay. Um, so, and I'm expecting the next three to probably be at the top. So I, I hope so. Like, I hope it finishes strong. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I want as well. I think again, so I haven't disliked any of them. So me putting any of these at the bottom, isn't like a, a diss, but I think I'm kind of opposite of you. I think I liked the middle the most right now, the, these most recent three second, and then the first three, the least. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe the, but they've all been good. Maybe the nostalgia factor was was bigger for you too. Yeah, yeah. I you... think that probably is why I have the first three mm -hmm. the lowest. Although episode three was amazing. Uh, well, they all were. They all were. But yeah, I think I'm really liking the Briarwood arc because that's you know yeah. what I was w waiting to see. Mm -hmm. You should. You need to just kind of random. You need to watch Arcane. By the way, I know. I know. I know. Because this show's great. I really enjoy it. But and it's it's high fantasy even in like your typical dialogue it's like what it's kind of what you'd expect characters to say not not acted poorly not even written poorly it's just like it's like yeah these are you know for whitestone like these are these are things that you hear in fantasy right, right. formats um arcane handles dialogue really well it's really the characters are written really well and the conversations happen even as a fantasy show fantasy show um in a very relatable, like, oh, that's how people talk kind of way. Um, I say that because it's having just watched Arcane, it's hard for me not to compare the two of them, yeah. I think unfairly towards Vox Machina, which I'm enjoying Legend of Vox Machina, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to say more without sounding, you know, disrespectful to <laughs> the Legend of Vox Machina, but anyway. You, so, yeah. you you say whatever your heart tells you to say. <laughs> anyway, all I have to say, you need to watch it because it's it's a really great show. That, yeah, that's what I've heard. That's I, I've, I mean, it's not like I've been looking for reviews, but I've only heard good things. So it's definitely yeah. on my list of things to check out. No, watch it now. <laughs> all right, let's end the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, we've we've talked about what we're kind of thinking for the next three. Um, so we'll do a video on that next week. We'll do our Witcher video. We'll do episode 13 or 14? 13. 13. This is what we just had. Yep. Of Critical Role's Campaign 3. And um, you know what might be an interesting game? I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a lot of buzz around Lost Ark right now. It's free to play. <laughs> you might check it out, and then we can do a video on it. Maybe. Maybe. Have you dived in yet? Not yet. Yeah, I know. It, or somebody, I just, before we jumped on, I think somebody said it was delayed. I have no idea. Oh, so I mean, I don't know if that means it's just later today or if it's like a later day. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm going out of town, so I wouldn't be able to even play it this weekend. But yeah, if yeah. you guys, if you guys dig it, then maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Well, see, now you guys know why we don't talk about games because one of the two of <laughs> us is. <laughs> it's not true. It's a bit finer taste <laughs> than the two of us. So. But though, if you guys have a great game um, for us to check out and talk about, uh, especially a game that is maybe atmospheric, mm -hmm. um, like a good example would be Limbo 
or what's the game you played? It's similar Inside. to it. Inside. Same same company. Yeah, yeah. Where like it's shorter format, but when it ends, there's a lot to interpret from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff Will and I really enjoy enjoy talking about. So if you have a good recommendation for something like that, uh, the two of us could check it out and yeah. um, talk about it, do a video on it. Bro, speaking of, I, uh, I've i been playing Inscription. I haven't beaten it yet, but I think it might fit the bill. Is it on Game Pass? Uh, no, but it's not it's not that expensive. Um, okay, I'll check it out. I don't want to. Don't look up anything about it. No, sure. Yeah. Just like okay. if you if you do check it out, just check it out. Uh, but okay. it's, it's not yeah. like a long game. But I put like eight hours into it, and I'm I don't think I'm close. I'm like maybe I'm like halfway. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Anyway. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, you guys be uh, on the lookout for those videos. Let us know in the comments what you thought about this batch. Feel free to tell us your thoughts, theories, whatever. Um, like we've said in past Legend of Vox Machina videos, um, if you have anything that's spoiler related, just do a big old spoiler tag because uh, yeah, that lets please. me know not to read it. <laughs> and uh, my man Will will be the one to respond to that. <laughs> so include your spoiler tag. And uh, also don't forget, we're available on Twitter at the Pixelus as well. Right. Um, and you can also follow this podcast on Spotify too. Yeah. And uh, so. since there's only one more week of episodes, we I we did the watch party. I, Blake couldn't make it, but I'm hoping you're gonna make it for the next one. So we're gonna do one more watch party for the finale three episodes. So come through. It, it was fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Six o'clock next Thursday. Uh. Yeah. I'll probably do. Or maybe we should do like multiple. The only reason I'm I just did that is because I'm going out of town. I mean, how many times am I gonna say that? But uh. Yeah. <laughs> so next week for the finale, I think I'd like to do like a few different watch parties so that anybody yeah, that wants fair. to could come through. Yeah. Especially some of our EU homies if they wanna. Yeah. Yeah. Make it, but it's a little late so absolutely all right cool all right we appreciate you guys uh thumbnail oh yeah um hmm. should uh this isn't related to anything but we could just do the fusion (laughs) yeah okay sure have we done that before i think we have uh let's do it again (laughs) okay sure which side am i going here you're going uh i don't know which way to tell you like do a side and i'll tell you if it's right okay All right, move your fingers back a little bit. They're not in frame. Okay, there we go. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be watching for that moment in our video and be like, that never <laughs> happened. You lied to us. <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you later, and we'll safe travels, man. See Thanks, you. man. Till next time. See you. Bye.